Hello and welcome to Inside the Artist Studio. My name is Sean Davis Newton here with the Cups and Cakes Network. I'm really excited to share an interview that I did with Cassia Hardy, the songwriter and band leader, as it were, of Wares. Uh, you've probably heard about their great, great new record that came out this year. It's called Survival. You might have read the Pitchfork Review. You might have seen the Polaris Prize Longlist uh, nomination. Cass joined me uh, on the shared patio at my apartment building on 118th Ave, and we talked about collaboration and political songs and trying to build communities while we were kind of uh, sitting up above uh, 118th listening to the traffic. Whereby, as I'm sure you'll hear in the interview, uh, there is some foul language in this one, so viewer beware. Uh, be sure to check out past episodes of this podcast, as well as other audio, video, and written content at cupsandcakespod.com. It's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Let's get on to the interview. Hi, this is Cassia Hardy from Wares. There we go. Uh, I think this is the first one of these I've actually done with masks on. Boy, the glasses just fog right up. Yeah, it's true, hey? <laughs> does that happen with sunglasses? It does. It does. Uh, for me, because um, I don't have a prescription, I like I can move them about an inch away, and it kind of gets <laughs> the job done. But yeah. it like compromises the sun blocking aspect. So um, all the more reason <laughs> to get on a vaccine. Yeah, <laughs> truthfully too. I mean, my eyes aren't really that bad, but mm. uh, I used to work at one of the Apple stores when I was like eighteen. Okay. And I decided I was going to quit, and I thought. I might need glasses. I could probably get some free fucking glasses out of this company. Ooh. And I did. So. Apple benefits. Good for you. <laughs> Leverage the system. Yeah, their benefits were great and nobody used them. It was because everybody was like 18 and didn't know how to like take care of themselves. Yeah, you truly don't know what you have in like in as far as like employment benefits until they're gone. That's my experience <laughs> as well. Well, uh, with that, let's let's dive right into the uh, the old rapid fire here. Sure. Right off the bat. Uh, cake or pie? Uh, cake. Okay. Do you have like a favorite uh, favorite kind of cake? Carrot cake. Okay. I I always ask with this question because I feel like baking stuff is often like very uh, family specific. Mm. Is that like a thing that your family made at all or? Mm, interesting question. Um, yeah, yeah. I like my mom made it. My mom more made like uh, angel food cake. Okay. I believe uh, was kind of like the go to one, but. As an adult, I appreciate carrot cake. Um, I'm I'm sort of wishing that I had chosen the secret third option of tart, uh, because we are across the street from one of my favorite bakeries in town, and they do just the most delicious custard tarts. Oh shit! Which bakery is it? That one. Oh yeah. Yeah, popular bakery. I've um, been in there like once. Yeah, shout out. One eighteenth uh, and ninety third. They do these little like egg drop kind of custard tarts. They're like a buck each. Okay. Uh, so delicious. Yeah, hit that place up for sure. It's funny. There's so much stuff. Uh, we're on, we're on the kind of shared patio on this apartment building right on 118th. Um, there's so much stuff in this neighborhood I haven't been to because there's like actually a lot of shit to go to. So much to dig into. Absolutely. Uh, tea or coffee? Coffee, hundred percent. Is it is it like a caffeine thing, or do you just legitimately really like the taste of coffee? Oh, I love the whole I love the whole enterprise. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, interview pre my pre interview ritual to make sure I don't totally biff on air uh, <laughs> is making a French press for myself. Oh yeah, um, I got some really really nice beans from the folks at Grizzlar. Oh um, yeah, who are my like regular coffee stop, I guess, and. Uh, I love the smell. I love trying different like uh, regions of, of beans out. Um, I do love the boost. I, I do love a good stimulant. Um, <laughs> yeah, coffee, final answer. Nice. Uh, do you have a quarantine theme song? Just something that's been kind of rattling around in your head while this has been going on? <sighs> okay. Uh, I am constantly, listen constantly listening to music, so um, that's an impossible question. <laughs> Most recently... Um, are you familiar with Jesse Lanza? I'm not. Okay. Jesse Lanza is one of the, the best uh, electropop musicians I can think of off the okay, top of my cool. head. Uh, Hamilton expat. Uh, I believe she's somewhere in America now. Um, okay. She put out this excellent record called All the Time uh, last in July. Um, recommend it if you're into that sort of thing. Like really tasteful and minimal with like really interesting drum patterns. All that to say... She recently put together a playlist for a magazine, 
And this, the first song on the playlist is this R&B singer, Alexander O'Neill. Okay. And um, it's this great track called A Broken Heart Can Mend. Um, and the, the, the hook is just like undeniable, uh, really just killer, mid-tempo, like sing-along. Um, that's kind of been rattling around in my head a fair amount. Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, pit stop on tour? Well, um, you know, the, the, the traditional Berta answer is Donut Mill. Um, <laughs> it is like I hold no fealty to that company. Um, <laughs> uh, I am thankful that they don't police their washrooms. Uh, I try and like kind of keep the wheels moving as, as much as uh, I can yeah. to like um, clear the good name of, of indie bands uh, that were not like terminally chronically late to everything <laughs> yeah um and i've been doing this thing like i've been touring for a few years now and um the more i go on the less i try and buy at gas stations like you can totally fall into this thing of getting some munchies every stop and, right like, wondering why you feel like total garbage by the time the show rolls around <laughs> so um uh you know the last my now distant memories of the last time i went on a tour <laughs> uh i remember trying to batten that down a little bit and just like drinking some water and just like getting the vitamin D yeah. instead of filling up on Doritos. Did you like pack food to do stuff like that then? <laughs> um, that was, that was kind of the next phase I was going to roll into. Um, <laughs> that was the plan. That was uh, the plan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, one thing I'll, I'll say to anybody who, um, who is excited to kind of go on their first adventure on the road when this all, uh, kind of stabilizes, um, don't maybe bring fresh veg because in my experience, you'll forget about it, or more specifically, your bandmates will forget about it, and it'll go under the seat, and it'll smell like completely unholy. Uh, just don't do that to yourself. Yeah, get some nuts. Tip. Get some like really nice kind of tamari almonds or tamari style almonds from No Frills if you don't have rich parents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, radio or podcasts? Ooh. Okay. Um. Damn. Uh, CJSR specifically, Campus Community Radio, uh, I ideologically support. Um, it has been like a far greater influence on my life. Um, so I'll, I'll have to say radio, specifically community radio. Yeah. Have you volunteered for them before? Or? No, uh, I have donated to them for a few years running. Um, th- one of the members uh, of Wares, of the Wares Live Band, is um, employed by CJSR, full disclosure. Um, uh, but yeah, long, I, I've never, I've never volunteered for them. Um, but I've, I've long supported them. They were kind of my gateway into more properly understanding Edmonton's local music scene. Yeah, for sure. Who kind of turned you on to that? Or did you just kind of like turn the radio on and like, well, I knew it, it existed. Out? I yeah. have a very, f- um, one of my first memories is like, I was really into metal, metal when I was a teenager. Okay. Um, was not represented by, um, any of like you know, the, the corporate radio stations, especially not the bear. Like I knew that wasn't my thing, but they were the only station in town that played Metallica. So it really made <laughs> me resent them. Like yeah. I wasn't drawn to them at all. I just, um, but I remember in my like home in Castle Downs when I was a teenager, I got this like really staticky station and heavy metal lunchbox was playing Friday lunchtime. Yeah. And, um, that was like, Oh man, there's another world out there. Yeah. Um, that was kind of the, the the earliest memory of CJSR, but I, I think I've always kind of known it's it's, it's existed. Um, For sure. Yeah. Uh, what's the weirdest job you've ever had? Uh, okay, so probably I got a temporary gig as a stagehand at Jubilation's Dinner Theater in West Edmonton Mall. Okay. Uh, that was a three-month gig for a show called Night at the Museum of Rock and Roll. <laughs> okay. Um... So very much in the Ben Stiller vein, it was like that kind of script. Yeah. Uh, but it was in the Rock and Roll uh, Hall of Fame in Cleveland, I believe. Okay. Um, inexplicably featuring Kelly Clarkson as the lead role or like the the main love interest yeah. for like the write-in um, male protagonist. Um, <laughs> there, it was it was it was like Madonna, David Bowie, Kelly Clarkson, Elvis Presley, John Lennon were all major characters. Uh, and if you've been to a dinner theater show before, 
you'll know that these characters all generally like intersperse with the crowd and then serve you your like warmed over prime rib gotcha. um, between acts. And so it was my uh, mandate as an employee to like move these like wooden uh, marquee signs with the artist names on it and like get out of the actor's way while they're doing costume changes. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a wacky time. The mall's a wacky place. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. What's the first car you've ever had? My first car was a 1993 Honda Accord. I bought it for $300 from a really beautiful work friend. Um, it worked fine. I was happy to have <laughs> it. Uh, one thing they don't tell you about 1993 Honda Accords is that you can actually start them with any key from any Honda Accord from the same era. You can actually start it with a screwdriver, I'm told. So it was <laughs> stolen. Um, of course. Um, yeah, that was gnarly. Um, it was actually stolen after uh, an accident I had gotten into uh, with the car it, that wrote the car off. Um, it was pretty sick because I got the car for 300 bucks, and then a month later I got into an, a- an accident where I was not at fault Yeah, and was set up for a $1,500 payout. Oh. Um, and then it was stolen, <laughs> uh, thus depriving me ostensibly of the payout, but then uh, I found it again. Oh. Uh, yeah, so at no point, like, I had only really driven it for a month and only had <laughs> known this freedom <laughs> for, like, a brief taste. Uh, but that was, like, I bought, like, uh, my first pretty nice guitar amp with that payout and nice. a car. <laughs> uh, do you have any new quarantine hobbies that have kind of sprung up over the past few months? Uh, does cooking count? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not, not to say I'm any kind of, like, master chef, but, like, um, I have actually been trying to treat my body a little better um vis-a-vis like staying at home yeah um making a nice breakfast um gardening a little bit oh nice uh i have like a single plant pot with (laughs) two marigolds and a tomato plant um that's doing poorly but um (laughs) that's that's one thing i've been doing yeah Yeah. but it's a thing that you're doing that's true yeah or any of the word Surrounded by this like cornucopia of, of greenery around here, is any of this yours? Oh, yeah, I have the the four or five things on the top of the bench at the oh, end yeah. there. Got Cute. some hot peppers, right on, and a zucchini, which I got as a gift from a friend who did not have room for it. Okay, and uh, I don't know what I'm gonna do with that zucchini, but <laughs> zucchini and hot peppers—that's cool. Sustenance gardening for yeah. you. The the hot peppers was honestly a friend of mine had made this fermented hot sauce a few years ago. Right. And uh, I was at the greenhouse. I saw these hot pepper plants. I was like, great, I can try doing this in three or four months. What kind of, do you know what kind of peppers there? You know, uh, one of them's a habanero pepper. Okay. Um, and then the other one, uh, <laughs> it's the first time I've actually planted multiple things. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I was not very smart about it, I immediately just threw out all the tags with the names on them. Because mm. I was like, who's going to need these? Won't do that next year. Yep. <laughs> um, so I have no idea what the other pepper one is. Habanero is cool, though. That's sweet. Yeah, they're nice. They're, like, bright red right now. It's kind of cool. Do you have a favorite local bite to eat? Hmm. Uh, Yeah, a few. Um, I've really been... I'm a a recent uh, arrival to the Alberta Ave area, and um, I've been trying to just dig into as much as I can in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Had a really nice dinner at La Parizo, the Latin market... Oh, yeah. A few days ago. Um, traditionally, it's been Faro. Like, that's been a pretty solid go-to spot. Um, For sure, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's a a lot of solid food out there that, like, uh, maybe trying not to get into too much right now. Uh, actually, you know what? The last really good thing I had was uh, Saffron's Caribbean Cuisine, okay. which is on uh, 111th Ave., and 82nd Street, across the street from the Save On Foods. Okay. Um, little Caribbean stop. I had a delicious jerk chicken dinner there. Absolutely hit that spot up. Yeah. Yeah, me and my friend that used to live together like a block from here had been searching forever for like the best jerk chicken place. Okay. So I'll... Uh, what was the... Well, what did you find up until that point? God, I'm, I'm not going to lie. We went to like two places right okay. when we moved there. There's one down 118th Ave on the right side that I don't remember the name of. That was very, very good. Hmm. Yeah, keep me updated on that. <laughs> yeah, keep sure. your listeners updated on this mystery jerk on, chicken spot. Yeah, on the jerk chicken uh, report. 
if you could open for anyone, who would you choose to open for? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I don't really set goals for myself in that way. For if sure, I see yeah. like a cool uh, headlining act coming through, of course, a part of me is like, oh, that'd be really rad to have that show um, and to be able to like just kind of have that night with another person. Hopefully they don't like sequester themselves in the green room and you're actually able to talk to them. Um, at this point, honestly, like I just like to see some of my friends again. Like I'd love to see, uh, my friends in Woolworm again, play together. Um, any of the other like minties, um, it'd be rad to play with tough age sometime soon. Tough age, uh, has a new album coming out this Friday. August 7th tomorrow in uh, podcast time. Um, <laughs> I would love to see those folks. Um, yeah, I don't know. That, that's kind of more my priority, I guess, than like uh, finding some like far off distant person yeah, yeah. who's probably exhausted by the time they get to you. Yeah, it would just be nice to play like a fun bill again in the city. <laughs> totally. Yeah. All about the club shows. Yeah. Uh, if, uh, you could kind of put together a fantasy lineup of any few bands, give yourself a comp ticket to it, uh, who'd you pick? Hmm. Um, well, I've really been enjoying, uh, Screaming Females and Bully recently. Artists, um, Bully's got a new record coming out this month. Uh, really looking forward to it. Sugar Egg, it's called. It's out August 19th, I believe. Um, Those two for sure. You know, I see a lot of things around on Twitter is like, which, you know, kind of festival bill would you book for like 90 pounds? Do you know what I'm talking about? And then there's like a huge laundry laundry list of artists. I think so, yeah. Yeah. um, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, music for me has morphed into such a community thing like i have so many friends and peers who, who make it for sure um it's difficult for me to put together this this list and not just have it be like a room full of my friends like people like tiny desk or fitness yeah uh, or feed dogs um i'd love to see all of those people play um again anyone on the mint roster i would be so stoked to like see again it's like such a rarity for us to get together, them on the coast and, and me <laughs> yeah, on the prairies. Sure. But um, yeah, any of those folks. Uh, candy chips or chocolate? Chips. Lay's salt and vinegar, specifically. Everybody says salt and vinegar, which I like, tr- like really, really did not expect. I, I mean, I like salt and vinegar chips, but... Okay. Are you more of a sweet person then? Uh, yeah, I like like ketchup ones. Sure. Or, or dill pickle. Those are like the okay. two A-plus chip are you, flavors. And are you brand specific or are those like, as long as they're generally ketchup and generally mm, dill pickle, like you, that's fine? You know, it's funny. Uh, I think Lay's ketchup chips are bad. They're bad. always like kind of weird. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then old Dutch ones are pretty consistently good. Hmm. All right. Is there an album that spurred your love of music? Not one, like, like many for sure. Um, I've really been this summer revisiting my like ostensibly childhood favorite band, which is Black Sabbath. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, War Pigs was probably or. Uh, Paranoid, I suppose. The album Paranoid is was like a big touchstone for me. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm i not so sure. There, that, that can be uh, reduced to one answer, I suppose. But Yeah, I, w- I would wonder too um, if there was particularly like uh, Canadian music that y- you like that. Uh, what am I trying to ask here? I guess I know that my own experience with like local music and stuff that's made here was that there were a couple of albums or bands that made me go kind of like, oh, stuff can be like really, really good mm-hmm. when it's made locally and by people that you know. Uh, I'm curious, I guess, if there's stuff like that for you too. So for that, um, and I'll circle back to um, my undying love for CJSR, 
um, when I was making a point to regu- really regularly listen to that station. Yeah. That was right around the time that uh, John Common's album In the Dark on 99 came out. Oh, yeah. Um, and so Oh Frozen Sidewalks, I remember specifically playing. Um, and it was a couple months after I think I'd seen him uh, play an in-store set at Listen Records. Oh, yeah. Um, and that was kind of like really the the nail in the coffin for me. Like by that point, I had sort of been aware of other artists in Edmonton I really enjoyed, but um, yeah, that tune really caught me. I can like still vividly recall the first time I heard that song. Uh, very last uh, kind of rapid fire-ish question. Uh, do you have any local bands that you want to kind of shout out? Uh, anything that you are uh, really liking right now? <laughs> Buddy, um, Fitness, Tiny Desk, Feed Dogs, Morona, um, there's like a new project kind of burbling in the works um, featuring Holly, the drummer from Where's that I'm like um, lucky enough to sort of contribute to in a limited capacity. Yeah. That I'm really, really excited for people to hear that. That's going to be an upcoming thing. Uh, and no, no promises on an ETA for that stuff. But uh, she's working very hard on a set and I think people are going to really like what they hear. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, like my label mate Jess Jalbert who I owe so much to and I just really appreciate as a songwriter uh Marlena Moore um so many there's so much good art in Edmonton perfect well let's uh, kind of roll on into the second part of things here uh just super general right off the bat uh when did you like start playing music in Edmonton um my first show or what I'll call my first show was at the Carrot Cafe on 118th Ave and 92nd Street, I believe. Uh, yeah, just like a block down from us again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I grew up on the north side, so a lot of my For sure. like, um, touchstones around this end of town. Um, I was 16 years old. I was extremely nervous. Um, from then... On, it's been sort of patchwork, like a lot of open mic nights or whatever. Yeah. But um, the late 2000s is when I started. Uh, had you been playing music for like a significant period of time before you started wanting to like perform publicly? Or was that a thing that you kind of like picked up because you felt like that was a thing that you wanted to do? Uh, I was, I had the privilege of being involved in music uh, and theater to an extent for like since um, a very early point in my life. Okay. So, um, concurrent to that was like a, uh, a real deep love of attention. <laughs> so those two have gone hand in hand as long as I can remember. Yeah. Did you do musical theater stuff out of curiosity or? Uh, never musical theater, but music and theater. That, yes. I, I had to do musical theater as a part of piano lessons when okay. I was a kid. All the show tunes. <laughs> right. All right. How, how do you experience. feel about that? Like, uh, you know, you know, uh, I'm I'm glad I did it. I think still, um, even though it's definitely not really something I would do now. It just uh, makes it so that you can go watch. Uh, like I, like I got really into Hamilton a few weeks ago. Okay. And was like, oh, I, a lot of this is kind of like musical theater lingo, and they're kind of like referencing a certain style and genre. And I don't know that I would have completely tuned into that if I hadn't done those things. It's interesting how your relationship to like your early musical education can change like as your as life gets longer, you know? For sure. Um, are you are you into the magnetic fields? You know, uh, I've listened to uh, sixty nine love songs, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, there's such like a huge um, show tune through line running through that album. That's like uh, the first yeah, thing yeah. I think of is like how good that kind of school of songcraft can really be for sure i'm not really steeped in that world i really only know like the greatest hits of like the you know the classical western canon so to speak but um insofar as that like slightly campy slightly schmaltzy but also like legitimately like heart achingly good um yeah that album really does it for me um so i guess when did you start playing in like a band then with other people as opposed to just as a solo kind of open mic kind of thing well, I tried a lot. Uh, I didn't really want to be a solo act. Uh, I wanted my dream position was lead guitar, backup vocals, nice, um, yeah. in a collaborative outfit. And um, so I, I was like 
searching around on Kijiji for people to do that with. Like right. I had a high school band and it, it broke up because those almost invariably do. Yeah. Um, and I was really just trying to meet strangers that I could make music with. And um, it, it didn't go super well. I can't really say I've made a lot of lasting connections from that time. And it, it sort of just occurred to me after one of those broke up rather acrimoniously that um, I needed to sort of refine my voice. Right. And I needed to kind of put the energy out into the world that people would come to. And then maybe once I like put a couple EPs out or whatever, I could find some people to like help me coalesce into something bigger. Right. Uh, which is kind of how where started. Um, and then I, it just, it just kind of snowballed, I guess. And, um, in addition to like other major life changes that gave me like a sure sense of self and more confidence, um, I realized that it was actually really satisfying to kind of sing with my own voice and, and sure. kind of direct things. So, so where did you kind of find the first group of people that coalesced into like, uh, a, a stable version of where's or like a group of people that you like felt it was going really well with. So there's this group of kids, most of who I went to high, went to the same high school with, uh, they were in this band called ocean tree. Okay. Um, this was in like, you know, the, the early half of last decade. And I would just be sort of dumb and party at their house with them. And they were my friends. Um, <laughs> And that band sort of started slowing down, so uh, I tried to sort of get the rhythm section over to my camp and do some songs. Gotcha. Um, that lineup of the group survives as a 7-inch I put out in 2016, uh, a couple songs called Miss the Point. And Beach Date, Miss the Point, features that like first kind of lineup of, gotcha. um, of friends uh, that were down to rock and uh, is like a special time in my heart but as far as like specifically the where's canon yeah um around like 2015 that was kind of the the high water mark of one that was going on cool uh i i wanted to ask too because uh this the, the first like full-length record has uh dean and connor ellinger on it dean yeah. Karufi and connor ellinger um they are two guys whose names i see on like everything and i've talked to so many bands who have either played with dean or worked with dean or worked with connor liner note legends to be sure <laughs> yeah what what do you what is the importance do you think of having like dean obviously has his own project which is great too um and connor's and tons of stuff but what do you think is the importance of having like session guys as much as they are that oh i mean um like i i appreciate both of those people for their just like professionalism they really kind of um brought the vision and that album to life and i i will always thank them for that um it's been really so wonderful to watch dean really kind of explode out into the world with um his own songwriting yeah yeah uh a very early show i played at wonder bar like a very early wares show um featured Dean going under the moniker Norman Fields. Okay. And it was sort of a pickup band of like a lot of these sort of session players, as you're saying. Yeah. Um, playing a very different kind of vision of Dean's songs than is like represented now. But at the time, like I've known Dean as like an excellent songwriter for like a long time. For um, sure, yeah. And it's really so wonderful uh, how that's been refined and how he's sharing that with people now. Um so it was it was cool to have um, Dean's input as like, you know, I would it would be me and him kind of sitting down specifically to hash out bass lines, right? Um, and sort of get him used to the form of the songs and um, invariably like, yes, there's session people, but anytime you involve other people in a group, it becomes kind of collaborative. It's yeah, a, yeah. I'm not sure how fully I realized that at the time that we were playing together for the first album. But um, it's certainly a part of the equation that I'm, I like am much more familiar with now and much more open to like talking about. For um, sure, I they did sort of leave it to me to have the executive call on how tunes would go, but um, how they would present them was certainly an an impact on me. Like Connor is such an excellent in the pocket drummer, um, having him to rely on and um, 
him to sort of just accommodate and have such a wide vocabulary to play with uh, was certainly really interesting. We didn't really get a chance to like explore much. Yeah. Um, towards the end of one rehearsal, I vividly remember we like run the set, which was essentially just the the first album back to back, and um, I was like, I, I just want to like jam with these two, and they sort of look at each other, and they immediately go into like this beautiful like kind of <laughs> laid back jazz jam that was so far out of my head I, like all i could think to do was kind of like sheepishly play around with my like delay self-oscillating <laughs> for texture because yeah. <laughs> i could not think of a single thing to play on guitar and it's not like they weren't being welcoming in that way it's just like yeah. they were so used to just communicating on another level that yeah. i couldn't help but be left in the dust but um yeah um I, I didn't, I, I sort of accidentally kind of came to playing with those two because I knew at, even at that point in 2015, 2016, they were already such in-demand players that I, I sure. kind of wanted people that I could, um, I could make sure I could get on, get together with on a little more regular basis, Yeah, but they're just so good and they lived together at the time. Like, um, uh, I remember Dean and I sitting in his living room and um, like, oh, who should should we ask to drum? One person who I'd asked had like sort of had to step away, and um, we were kind of going through names. And then he sort of mentioned, oh, like Connor could do it. And I was like, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course, Connor could do it. So he literally went next door to Connor's room and be like, hey, do you want to sit in on this session? And that's how it that's how it happened. It was so cool. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I t- I talked to Marlena Moore a couple weeks ago, and I talked to her a little bit about this as well, but. Uh, do you find that like uh, opening yourself up to that kind of collaboration is something that you've gotten better at as you kind of get older or, or more experienced? More experienced, for sure, yeah. Um, I think just kind of touching on this first record, it was really important for me to um, have it be my vision right. for how I wanted that, like... I looked at that record as sort of a proof of concept for the band. Gotcha. Um, and so it it sort of needed to be me at the reins to like assure myself, I think, like this is what I wanted to do. This is how I wanted to come across. Uh, as I said now, like I'm looking back, it's like it was more collaborative than I had maybe been aware of at the time. But uh, that's certainly what I was trying to do is like, for sure. um, express myself in this really singular way. Um Survival specifically is is the most collaborative thing I've ever done under wears, like for sure. Um, and that just comes with comfort with the players. Like this is the longest serving lineup of the band that's played on the record. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just trust their taste and I think I'd be a fool not to, to involve them in the discussions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I don't know if it... I don't know... Um, if it would have happened the same way had I had I done it at an earlier point in my life, as I said, uh, when I initially went like embarked into music more seriously, I wanted to be more of a supporting player than like right. a band leader. Um, and I waffle, you know, week to week, day to day, on um, how true that is, <laughs> as I like lose touch <laughs> with that younger part of myself. Yeah. But, um, Yeah, I think that that spirit of collaboration has certainly uh, become a bigger, big, bigger and bigger part of myself and my understanding of what I want to do. Yeah. Is, is there stuff that you think you... Because uh, you played, I guess, uh, guitar in Power Buddies, right? Yeah. Or Power Buddy. Um, Power Buddies. Is it? Is yeah, it's it? Okay. okay, I didn't mess it up. That's good. <laughs> um, uh, did you gain something from kind of having uh like a different viewpoint on being in a band before kind of moving on to s- strictly more like solo material is there stuff you learned from that experience that you brought into kind of collaborating with now a more steady kind of lineup of people that's certainly a part of it that was more parallel it wasn't like um like i was in where i was in power buddies this for, time. for sure um yeah. and power buddies was kind of my my dream gig that i described i was like lead guitar or like a guitar that was playing more melodic parts and yeah. uh, backup vocals. And I was like, this is great. This is like all I really wanted to do. Yeah. Um, 
and that like you know uh nolan and hank i have such a, a soft spot in my heart for like i love those boys um and all the drummers that we've played with like andy Mulcair being uh most heavily represented on the last album we did together yeah um one of my dearest friends that it, it taught me a lot of lessons about being in a band for sure uh i've you know, played as a side person in various capacities, like in Marlena's band, for one thing, um, where she is definitely like in charge of the direction of the song. For sure. Awesome. Like she definitely allows people to play around, but um, she is a band leader that is kind of calling the shots and has a vision um, in a way that I now recognize that like I'm not as much. Um, Where like, um, I'm super open to like changing an arrangement for sure. Yeah. Uh, and experimenting around and, uh, you know, maybe Marlena has that in her too, but when I was playing with her, it was like, um, the arrangements for, uh, pay attention, be amazed. And it was yeah. like, that's how the songs went, which is awesome. For and sure. So cool to bounce off of and like, uh, play live anyway. They're great tunes, but, um, yeah, power buddies was a, was a little, was a little looser, just like the nature of the music, I yeah. guess. And um, they, Nolan and Hank wanted to bring me on as like a full-time decision-making member. Okay. Um, which altered the course of stuff. But I, I always sort of recognized them as like the people I was taking shots from. Right. And whatever. I, it was more collaborative, but it, it's, it's as different as the people that we're talking about. You know, every, right. it's like separate universes, all of them. I didn't realize I uh, like... I've run into Nolan in a bunch of places um, mm-hmm. and I kind of met him accidentally because a friend of a friend was in Big Evil Rat okay. and I was running a home studio at the time and so we recorded their EP for Sweet. them. Um, <laughs> I always laugh, yeah, because they were there for like a day and then we mixed it like a day later and then they had a release show on like the Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I didn't really know any of the people very well I took their band picture for them in my backyard, and now every time it's like Sled Island was going to have Big Evil Rat, and it's this little fucking shitty Instax picture I took in my backyard, <laughs> it's a, a certain kind of satisfying. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Um, I know Nolan likes to work pretty fast when he can. Um, he's always writing riffs. He's always coming up with stuff. Um, you know, it's it's difficult to keep up sometimes. He's like such a natural garage rocker that um, he's always got like tasty little hooks coming out, and that uh, that was a that was a great band. I really enjoyed seeing them. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna kind of broaden things out for the kind of last question here. Um, I feel like a lot of things about kind of the job of being a musician are. Uh, completely flipped on their head to where they were six months ago. Uh-huh. Um, what what do you think, like, what, what does your job as a musician look like right now? Like, how has that changed? Well, it's, um, it's more digital than ever. Um, I've been lucky enough to sort of have a few uh, performance appearances over the course of the pandemic, um, thanks to some people at this venue downtown called the Black Lodge that have been uh, gracious enough to open their space to me for first a solo live stream and then um, a band performance, which premiered in July as part of Sappy Fest. Yeah, I saw that. Um, we, I was in the midst of booking a North American tour at the time. Uh, things started locking down. Like The band all had union cards. We all had passports. We were like pretty much ready to pull the trigger. Um, thank goodness we didn't you know, spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars to get a visa. Yeah, um, <laughs> no kidding. But it's, it's like the, the th- this record cycle with Wares has become much more like administrative and computer work, which is fine. It is what it is. Um, yeah. I wanted it to sort of look like something else, but there, it just is so small. Like my wants for, uh, this album in February are just like so small to the scale of things that ended up happening. Yeah. Um, and I'm really thankful that it reached as many people as it did anyways. Like I'm so thankful to Mint Records and uh, my manager, Nico Stratus, for 
being such a solid support. Yeah. Uh, I could never have done this release without them, specifically during the pandemic. Um, I'm, I'm less concerned about my role as a musician during lockdown and during the uprisings across North America as I am with being a citizen and a community member. For sure. Um, that's been my, my main focus. Like I, I have sort of been writing songs here and there, but um, as far as like my role as a music worker during lockdown, um, I've been privileged enough that my situation was very stable. Uh, I applied for, I, I was eligible and applied for government supports. Um, and my, my brain was pretty fried from trying to get survival done for sure in a yeah. way that was satisfactory to me that um, I've been like loosely, uh, you know, doing an, a more or less adequate job of keeping on top of my inbox, uh, as you can attest. <laughs> um, but there, there are other things that are, are taking precedence for me, for sure. Let's chat about uh, the track that we're going to play at the end of the episode, which is the title track from Survival. It's mm-hmm. called Survival. Mm-hmm. Um, and shit, we should probably mention too, uh, the Polaris Prize long list thing. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> that, that was cool. I, uh, that I, was a nice day. I guess I just wanted to say, too, um, as, as a person who's in a band in Edmonton, it's really cool to see not one, but, like, two bands f- from Edmonton that uh, put out really fucking great records and got um, some recognition for that. It, it's it's nice from just the community standpoint, even. So uh, Yeah. Well, Nehawak deserves it. Um, yeah, I love that, that band and have loved great. that band. Um yeah, I don't know. They they put they really put out something of lasting value, and um, I was less familiar with the other members, but I was like very much familiar with Matthew Cardinal, who who is like longstanding member of the music scene. Um, he's got some really great things coming up in the future. Um, I love his approach to music. Um, I I loved seeing him like perform and just like around. Um, I love talking in Instagram DMs with him about like weird guitar pedals. Like <laughs> that's one of my favorite yeah. things to see a message from him. Uh, he actually sold me my first guitar at no, okay. Avenue. At Av, no yeah. kidding. Um, right. Too actually, I think the last time I saw Wares was at Winterruption when it was Matthew and then mm-hmm. you guys, and then I don't know why I can't remember Ezra the headliner's name. Yeah, Ezra Furman. I remember yeah. uh, taking my buddy Cam to that show and us walking out at the end and being like, oh man, Wares was just like, I don't know, you guys were great. And Ezra Furman was also great, um, but you guys just had so much energy. It was a really, really fun show. I really, really appreciate, like that, yeah, I am thankful as far as like last shows, like how can you ask for a better one? Was that last, the, last shows for a while. Was that the last one you played before? Yeah, yeah, January 25th. Yeah, that's a pretty, um, uh, that's a pretty lucky one. <laughs> So yeah, big thanks to Winterruption for making that happen. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, Matthew sets always great. Ezra, um, I had been aware of uh, for quite a few years, just as like a, a gender non-conforming artist working yeah. um, in the music scene in the 2010s. I was like peripherally aware of them, but um, God, Twelve Nudes is just such a killer album. Like, and to see that live and. Uh, to hear her voice live, like crackling with such power, like yeah, um, yeah, that was a great, a great set from them specifically. Uh, about the song, then a bit. I keep going way off course, um, so apologies for that. But oh, we're talking uh, whatever. I I always want to ask people when uh, I listen to music that has some kind of political uh, element. Um, I think your stuff particularly is really good because there's all this kind of uh, political material that feels really personal and really, like, urgent. Um, do you have a way of approaching writing about that kind of stuff or does it just kind of come up as you're working on things and you just go with it? That was... Uh, this album was my first real... Um, like, my first real success by any metric of writing a political song that uh, I wasn't immediately ashamed of and like burned all evidence of. 
um, I couldn't help but approach it from like a personal angle, uh, survival specifically, an angle of like despair and anger. Right. Um, the whole album, as it sort of revealed itself to me, it started off as like a personal kind of journey um, and how it necessarily had to end in like, you know, community sharing those feelings of, of grief and rage um, is is how the, the course revealed itself to me over the, like, while I was writing it. Um, and just being a citizen in Alberta and, and watching events unfold. Um, I think that was around, like kind of what was in the air at the time. Yeah. Um, Do you find, I guess, that there are um, specific things that will happen in the world that will kind of provoke a specific song or do things kind of take a bit more time to like uh, stew? There's certainly things I want to write about and um, coupled with like, I never want to rush something out um, for the sake of being topical or for whatever. Sure. Yeah. Um, it has to be a good song. Like it has to meet my sort of uh, benchmark or whatever that means. Um, thus precluding me from any sort of like speed when it comes to, to current events or whatever. And there's, there's you know, plenty of things happening in the world that um, I have feelings about, but don't necessarily have the words for in an artful way. For sure. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's not, it's not one specific method and I learned a lot of lessons in writing and recording survival um, that I hope I'll be able to keep with me and continue applying and like learn more deeply about going forward. Yeah. Um, Two, I guess my, uh, with this song specifically, uh, I'm always curious as to what makes you pick a specific song as a title track for a record. Um, is there a reason I guess that you spot lit this one specifically um in that way or did it kind of come about the opposite way like you had the title of the record and then the song came up and the record was initially called something different it was called mercy okay um which made sense to me at the time for what i wanted to express uh mercy is in like mercy fight and the struggles that you can have with yourself that you need to overcome for sure um and that was the lens through which I applied the earliest songs on the album, like Violence um, and Jenny Says, those specifically being like dialogues and, and reminiscing about earlier versions of yourself. Um, over time, as more songs started to take place and I, um, sequencing the record uh, before I was done writing it was a big part. Like it informed the narrative and gotcha. it made me aware that there was a narrative. Um, and it was, I, I saw this thing becoming clear to me that was uh, more a story of resilience and um, nobody survives alone. You know, nobody comes to any measure of like success or like fortitude in this life without the help of other people in some capacity, I feel. Right. Um, especially not any kind of like political or social victory that, um, you know, political leaders get undue credit for, for social progress in this world when, uh, it almost invariably is the result of like community action and grassroots community action. For that, sure. Yeah. Um, never gets due props until sometimes like years or decades later. Um, so that was what I wanted to sort of focus on is like, um, yes, this is a personal album about, what I specifically have uh, been through or experienced in this life, but um, it is, it's not, I, I wanted to be very careful to make clear that it's not um, up to one person alone to overcome the trauma in their life and to change the world all by themselves. Because I think that can, in North America, we have this real fixation on hyper-individualism. For sure. And it informs a lot of our media and a lot of our propaganda. And um, I really did not want to be a part of that. Well, uh, I think 
I think that's as uh, good a place as any to uh, kind of wrap things up. Thanks so much, Cass, for coming on. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me. Really lovely to have you. Um, this is the title track from Survival. It's also called Survival. That's how title tracks work. Uh, thanks again. Thank you. Inside the Artist Studio is produced by Sean Davis Newton for the Cups and Cakes Network. The featured track Survival was played with permission from Wares. Thanks to Laundry Week for the use of their song Nothing on My Mind from the Grimpy EP as our intro and outro music. Inside the Artist Studio is one of the many ways the Cups and Cakes Network highlights Canadian music. Visit our website cupsandcakespod.com to browse our audio, video, and written content. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Thanks for listening. 